Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. What I really needed in life is for two famous authors to get in a fist fight uh, on an animated television show. That's really what made my soul whole. And now I can die peacefully. I hate to disappoint you, Matt, but I'm a fan of the I'm a fan of those two men fighting each other on my Simpsons television program. Oh really? Why I I've never read any of their books. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we'll get to it. Okay, this is a, that's a tease. Oh okay, that's a tease for the very end of this episode of The Simpsons because that <laughs> yeah. happens at the very end. Uh, maybe not read the rest of the episode, eh, but that part I'll t- I'll give it a <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, we are brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all of our bonus content as well as being able to leave reviews for episodes as we go. Uh, we have someone to thank, Matthew. All right. Uh, Mark Stevens. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. This week's episode is Mo and Elisa. Boo. Yes, it's a bad name. I'm We're not, all aware it's a I bad am name. not saying Boo Earns. That's just Boo. <laughs> There's nothing. What a bad name. It's so bad. I hate it. I hate looking at it. I hate trying to write it. I hate saying it. Like, this is what we're doing, guys. This is where we're at. Okay. Episode HABF19, originally aired November 19th, 2006. We're almost out of 2006, Matt. I am so, I'll be so happy when I get to say the words 2007. It feels like I, it feels like we've been watching episodes from 2006 for the past five years, literally. I don't. I mean, because they haven't really changed that much in the past five, six years of Simpsons episodes. We're trapped in like a time loop where, like, we just—it's always 2006 on this podcast. We're just always watching episodes from 2006. Um, this episode is written by Matt Warburton, directed by Mark Kirkland, received a 5.2 rating with 9.3 million viewers. The couch gag: the family's dragged and dropped onto the couch like a computer window, but eventually all of them, including the couch, are dropped into the recycling bin, which eventually gets emptied. Not bad. It's all right uh you know it's a couch gag it's a couch gag it, it's decent it it's it, i'll say this that this episode doesn't have an extended intro or a couch gag that lasts no, for they, a they were confident in the quality of this episode i mean they were confident that author fights and guest stars would get them through it's better than last week uh, it I really guess that's very it's better than i think a lot of the ones in this season so far but we'll get to that uh this episode guest stars a slew of people jk simmons and this is okay at this is point of contention jk simmons as j jonah jameson he i don't think he's the, actually j. no jonah he's jameson. not j i mean he looks okay here jk simmons has played j jonah jameson many times both in live action and on animated spider-man movies uh and he's great he is j jonah jameson he is the real life jonah jameson. he's he's j jonah jameson to me but at the time of this episode marvel did not and disney not know did not own either the simpsons or marvel and i don't think they had the rights to use i don't know maybe fox had the rights to use spider-man characters in the simpsons but regardless no one calls him j Jonah jameson in this it's just jk simmons playing a j Jonah jameson type regardless i think runs a literary magazine rather than a newspaper yes uh but i mean still wants pictures of spider-man yes i mean hey pictures of spider-man sell most recognizable character on earth man spider-man if you want your poetry journal to sell Put some pictures of Spider-Man in there. Uh, or poems of Spider-Man. Yeah, it's... Oh, Spider-Man poetry. Mm. Uh, this episode guest stars four writers as themselves. Tom Wolfe, Gore Vidal, Michael Chabon, Chabon, uh, and Jonathan Franzen. 
Um, I am a quite a fan of uh, Michael Chabon. Uh, Jonathan Franson is all right. Tom Wolf and Gore Vidal don't care. Um, <laughs> as a person who went to college for English and for literature, don't care about Tom Wolf or Gore Vidal. Overrated. Here, I said it. Hot take. Both of them are overrated. Ooh, I've never read anything by either of them and don't plan to. They're very, they're very, uh, I, this, I could, we could do an hour and a half podcast about it and that about the canon and about how, about literature and snooty people, whatever. Um, I won't chill. I will not. We don't need to talk in our Simpsons podcast at length about how vapid I find most of that conversation. Mm-hmm. So the episode begins with Homer waking up with a string on his finger, uh, meaning he needs to remember something. I have never met a grown man who would who has done this. Is tied a string around his finger to remember something. Normally, I've just... never met anybody who's tied a string around their finger to remember something. I mean, it's a very old timey kind of like Dennis the Menace idea. Um, there, it, but there's multiple other things. Like Homer has, re- don't forget. He has written on his own chest, mirrored, uh, don't forget. Uh, he's written on the dog and cat, don't forget. He has Maggie spit out SpaghettiOs in the shape in the and says, don't forget, which doesn't make any sense. But if that's that is if that was the limit of the cartooniness of this episode, I'd probably be OK with it. Unfortunately, it is not. There seems like is this that are they purposefully like paying? Ref- are they referencing Memento here? It feels like they're referencing Memento to a certain extent. I'm not sure. It kind of does, but if it is, it's a very soft reference. Yeah, it, mostly the thing on his chest. You know, Memento has all the, he has all the tattoos. Feels like that is like a, a reference. Of, like, don't forget. But Homer doesn't know what he needs to remember. Um, but then we learn that Grandpa is participating in the Senior Olympics, and the family is going to go watch him. And Homer thinks that is the thing he was trying to remember. Uh, he doesn't want to go see his own father participate in the Senior Olympics because, as demonstrated in the entirety of this episode, Homer is the most obnoxious person on Earth. I can't take it. He really isn't. It's one of those things where I feel like what they're trying to do is they're trying to add some light comedy to the background uh, because they think that what's going on isn't funny enough and they're wrong. And also it distracts from what's actually going on in the episode. It's, it's like a leftover from the, the Scully years where they're like, if there's not comedy happening once per minute, people will get bored and watch something else. No, that's not the way this works. I don't. And I, it's even awfully, if that was true, put better comedy in. It's awfully generous calling what Homer does in this episode comedy. Uh, Attempted comedy. That's the new crime. We'll, we'll book him for. It's a misdemeanor. Yeah. <laughs> they give out. Uh... Awards for attempted comedy. No, well, yeah, they they give out Nobel Peace for the Nobel Peace. Okay, um, uh, Homer's obnoxious. They're going to the Senior Olympics. This is when we cut back to the house and uh, the the empty now empty Simpsons house receiving a phone call from Bo, who is upset. Oh, hey Homer, Uh, I hope you didn't forget that today's our big day. I sure am looking forward to my birthday fishing trip. Well, I'll see you soon. This is Mo. Big day. Uh, waiting. Feeling uh, kind of fragile. Mo, the birthday boy. Listening for your <laughs> Mo's sad because hmm. Homer Mo has... Sad. What a for- surprise. Mo's sad because Homer forgot him, which is fair. That's a fair... I I don't really have that much of a problem with how Mo is portrayed in this. 
Um, there's only one yeah, mentions of suicide. I like that he doesn't get suicidal or anything. He gets mad, which is it, not great, but it's better than being so sad. You know, you want to kill yourself. Yeah, I, it, there is. It, again, this episode is not perfect by any means. It's not even good, but it, the the problems with it are not Mo really. Um, it's more about how much support they give Mo and Lisa and their their conflict. Um, family goes to the Senior Olympics. Uh, I oh boy, um, we get a story from Abe who tried to kill Hitler in the nineteen thirty six Olympics but missed. And killed an assassin who was trying to kill Hitler with a javelin. Mm-hmm. And then they laughed about it. When him and Hitler, Abe and Hitler laughed about it the next time they saw each other. There, This whole sequence, Matt. Like, okay. So, uh, yes. Matt writes down in our notes, so many jokes about how old people are bad at physicality. Yep. That's like all a lot of just a bunch of jokes. Like, a, old people are not not able that is like yeah, so that, many of these jokes that's a good 10 percent of the episode is just the senior olympics and, and how they're silly because old people are bad at olympicine yeah and some of them are all right like they're decent gags and others are atrocious there is a gag in here they're watching the high dive and an old man jumps off the high dive mat and the extra skin around his arms lets him soar to the ground like he is a flying squirrel. Uh-huh. What is this? This is slapstick comedy because the rest of the episode is too too somber of an attitude. What is this? Why is this? What is this? You can make a joke about him slamming into the water or actually being really good in the water or whatever. Him, why is his his arms, his skin literally stretches to his feet? Why is this necessary? Why do you have to rub how fake this all is in my face right away? <sighs> Ugh, it's not cartoonishness. It just keeps going on. Um, we get a bit here where where Mo is in. I guess Mo's compete. Not Mo. Abe is competing. Get my. I'm getting my my perspicacity is already getting me. Okay. Abe is competing in the hurdles, I believe. And then we get a bit here. The only bit I actually laughed at in this episode where he's being chased by Willie dressed as death. Oh, it's clouding up. I better put on me a rain poncho. <laughs> Sir, you drop your munchers. Oh, man! You got your teeth at pocket! You'll never take me alive, Grim Reaper! Yay, Grandpa! Take the boy! His soul is fresher! I mean, I guess the Scots do kind of sound like death, but, you know. I, I just like the idea of Willie yelling in like vague you know scottish bro or whatever at mm. at grandpa you know you forgot your teeth and grandma's like, ah that simple psych anger worked on me um but abe wins the race because he's so scared and gets the gold and that I has guess. no effect whatsoever on the rest none of, of this matters that's a I, we get one i think one piece of exposition here that is important and that Lisa is trying to find a fascinating Springfielder to interview for a school project. 
That's the only bit of information in this that matters. And that Mo has been forgotten, I guess. Um, but Mo being forgotten also doesn't matter. It it is not I, I guess it I guess it sort of matters at the end, because at least is the person who like tried to cheer him up, I guess. It's not really the focal point of the their conflict, though. I don't know. It we spend a lot of time with old people and bad jokes about them. That is what I primarily get from the first five minutes of this episode. Mo is waiting for them when they get home. He's waiting at the doorstep. Okay. All right. Time for a good confrontation, right, Robbie? Eventually, sorta. <laughs> Eventually, but first we've got to have them creep down and drive the car around the back of the house and then live like crabs for a while yeah the the family sneaks in they drive the car around the back of the house which mo is so stupid that he believes that the car is driving itself um and then here we get probably the most like, egregious cartoonish i don't know that that old man with his squirrel wings really bothers me but they literally just have a long sequence here where homer and bart are crabs they walk, they scuttle around like crabs and have like a fake pincher fight. What is this, Matt? Hmm. Good question, Robbie. I don't. Good I, what is this? I don't, I don't know. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a bit where, you know what? This could be like time spent later on to like build your plot a little bit better and make it more impactful. But instead, yeah. we get, uh, I mean, you are, did Mr. Simpson's writer sneak in and is that him matt i feel like mr simpson's writer's here is that just yelling at me for like questioning um eventually after long minutes of mo finally does something because he uh, apparently he's not a complete moron and realizes that the simpsons are inside their house eating dinner yeah. like the crabs and he throws what? it that's obvious to somebody on the outside i never would have guessed <sighs> i mean this is the one thing they at least they do it man at least they have mo not be a complete moron for forever um but lisa uh mo throws a brick into the house and uh lisa goes to talk to him dear Pussbag. oh marge who'd you piss off it's for you Pussbag. Mm. Birthdays never meant squat to me. Then you offered to take me fishing. And like a stumble bum chump, I dared to hope. But you shattered my dreams like a duffed tall boy in a bar brawl. And you jammed a jagged neck right up my heart's butt. I guess I just wasn't meant to be happy. Or handsome. Or anything, really. Oh, what a deep, tormented soul. <gasps> have a worldview, both bleak and beautiful. I want to write a report about you. Wow, for the first time in my life, someone's taken a genuine interest in what's inside of me. <laughs> Suddenly, this is my best birthday ever. Still in the top three. Still in the top ten. Man, isn't it funny how miserable Mo is? Sometimes, Matt. Yeah, sometimes it is. I, I, there's you can't write good jokes about Mo and him being, you know, yeah. uh, having a miserable life. Um, th this is fine. Um, and that's where I like when they finally get to this plot with Mo and Lisa. I, that's how I would categorize it. It's fine, and that's it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's nothing terrible. We get a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, 
but thankfully, this is where we go to commercial and come back into something that gets a little better. A um, little bit. A little better. Mostly because there's less Homer. And that's really, a lot of this is like how little Homer is in this, the parts of the episode is is how, it's it's really appreciable how much different it is the episode, the scenes without Homer versus the scenes with Homer. How significantly better they are. Not good, but better. That's true. Uh, as Matt said, we go to commercial at seven minutes and five seconds. When we come back, uh, we get uh, Homer and Lisa. Why Homer's there, we don't know. But Lisa is going to where Mo lives. Uh, he lives in a very sketchy part of town. Matt, Homer is there because this is this is just people being characters. And that's boring. We need Homer there to make it funny. Yes, and other people cannot do comedy. It has to be Homer. Because when Homer's on the screen, you should be asking, where's Homer? <laughs> So, quick side note, um, <laughs> that has worked its way into my everyday phraseology in absolutely sinister ways. My wife and I usually work out in the morning. We watch Frasier because we're working our way through several sitcoms. And for some reason the other day, uh, we were unsure where Frasier had gone to. So we kept asking ourselves, when Frasier's on, on screen, the character should be asking, where's Frasier? It just works on so many levels. Like, bad TV. Uh it just it seems to be revolving around one character and you're confused when they're not on the screen it's just <sighs> it's okay Robert. we're gonna get through this okay mm-hmm. so uh mo lives in a hellhole um it's disgusting uh homer thinks the vibrating chair but it's actually full of cockroaches i i uh, ew. this is so disgusting i cannot how disgusting this is i mean yeah it's it's pretty bad it's really gross but Moving along with the plot, so we don't have to think about this too much, uh, Lisa discovers that Mo writes down a lot of fragments uh, about of his poetry. You know, artfully arranged, these fragments could be an epic poem. Like T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. What, which, Wiley, it's to who now? Ringo's coming out all artistical, thanks to you. How about this for a title? Howling at a Concrete Moon. That's a terrific title. It jumps out at you like a rat in your underwear drawer. <laughs> we make a great team there, Lisa. <laughs> my soul smells like a dead pigeon after three weeks. I shut my window and go to sleep. In my dream, I eat corn with my eyes. Philistines. So, yes. Uh... I didn't mention the fact that there's a whole bit where Homer falls down a fire escape because it's not funny and it's incredibly stupid. So that's he, in the episode. He, he does fall down an entire fire escape. But I laughed so much. It's so funny. It's, it's, and, and he was the and, whole time he was fine. making fun of Mo for writing poetry. Of course. Um, hey, so okay, see, I'm gonna here. I'm gonna say this. This is on the record, Matt. That poetry is terrible. That's bad poetry. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that's like, oh, people think that it's automatically deep because it's about something horrible that's happening instead of being about you know nature and flowers and I, happiness but no I, poetry about horrible things could also be bad anything I, any type of poetry can be bad i mean i'm i'm like i you have to basically accept that this episode like it happens in a fantasy world because the poetry world doesn't work like this um i'm a bad poet most people are poetry is really hard uh to make good to make really good poetry is really hard to do and most poets spend their entire lives working at it to become famous enough to make a living at it most poets do not make a living at poetry 
Most writers don't make a living at writing. Um, the rarefied air of these people that would be at a festival like this that we get to in a moment is like the top point zero 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 one percent of writers. Um, Mo would never have gotten there from writing a single poem and putting in a one liter in one poetry journal. It would never have happened. The poetry is bad. Like I, as a writer, it just is. And as a person who's also a bad poet, I'm well aware of what other bad poetry looks like. This is that. And I have to just the whole time, this whole episode, Matt, I'm like, this is Robbie. Calm down. This isn't real. He's not actually. Once he gets to the festival, the behavior of everyone at the festival is actually pretty appropriate. But Mo himself should not have ever been invited, would not have ever been invited. Maybe as like a stunt. Maybe. That's the only way I could have seen it happening. But again, yeah. it's not even the most cartoonish thing. Like we literally just saw that Homer and Bart be crabs for a little bit. So Indeed we did. I did I had to say my word about this t- terrible poetry of Mo's like. Also here. I'm going to, this is a really, I guess that I, I don't know if, I don't know if people think about it this way. Maybe the, I, I, cause I, I, this hurts, this is hurts. It probably, it might not hurt. You can weigh in on this as we go, Matt, but Lisa's conflict and Lisa's being upset about not being credited for helping Mo assemble poetry or whatever, or giving him a title. Like, I'm on Team Mo. Lisa, you're not entitled to anything. You didn't do anything, Lisa. You move stuff around. That's not... Guess what? That's what an editor does. Editors don't get... You don't go... When an editor helps someone, you know who's who the byline? It says by the person, the writer. An editor doesn't get... Edit will get a little bit of credit in the afterword, and that's it. And it is a thankless job a lot of the time, but you don't... You're not... You didn't write that poem, Lisa. Gave him a suggestion for a title. Mo chose to use it. And that was the end of that transaction. Yes, I mean, that's that's the way editors are. Editors are often thankless, uh, as we will see, uh, and uh, but, they don't uh, really get mad about it. But Lisa sees this as a oh, uh, her feelings. Okay, we're not there yet. I'm just we're not there yet. I have no. a lot of pr- I have feelings about this episode and how it shows this, how how it portrays writers in some cases. But <laughs> I thought you might. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so as you could hear, uh, the kids at school don't appreciate most poetry. So Lisa sends it to the, oh God, the American Poetical Society, some stupid name. It doesn't uh, matter. About a poetry funny. magazine. Yeah. Uh, where they publish it. They see that it's good and they put it on the front cover. Uh, they bump Maya Angelou for Mo, uh, which totally would happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would say, Matt, anyway. this did tickle me a little bit with, we got angry Maya Angelou on the phone. I kind of like that sparring with a jk jameson like character i i appreciated that she yeah. just heard her like, rah, 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 on the other yeah, side J. Jonah jameson versus maya angelou i think maya angelou is gonna win i so. don't know J. Jonah jameson's got that way of words yeah <laughs> anyway mo gets invited to the word loaf festival uh where he uh ev- and everyone is just super happy for him Mo, you're a published author! Well, just think, earlier tonight, a newly published poet cleaned up my bath. Most haven't. Who? Where? To what? Uh, Screw you, snail trail. Who is that? Uh, Some jerk making a prank call with a gag name. Tom Wolf. 
Tom Wolf? He wrote the right stuff and bonfire the vanities and coined the phrase radical chic. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Then that guy wasn't squeezing my roids when he invited me to the Wordlow Festival in Vermont? Oh, the Wordlow Festival? You'll meet all the great American writers, Mo. You have to go. Yeah, well, okay, all right. But uh, only if you come, huh? I wouldn't have none of this without you, kid. So a couple of things here. Uh, one, <laughs> I'm sure one of the authors would call another author to uh, invite them to the festival, not, you know, one of the organizers or anything. And two, I just want to establish here we have Mo saying that Lisa was integral to his success and has to go with him. Put a pin in that. We're going to get back to that. Mm hmm. This also, so, this uh, oh, I will, I will, a, a short addendum is that this word loaf festival is a reference to the real life bread loaf writers conference in uh, that's held in Vermont. That is a very old okay. and prestigious writers conference, which I'm fairly certain does not represent what we see at all in this episode no. of the Simpsons, but it doesn't, it's fine. It's it fine. never is. No. Okay. So, uh, the whole family drives with Mo. Uh, Moe's in the front seat and uh, has bartending duties for Homer while he drives. We get a whole bunch of stupid things that basically end up in Homer driving incredibly drunk and ending up at the festival completely no. smashed. And somehow everyone is alive. No, Matt. No, he doesn't drive drunk because he stops every time he takes a sip. Yes, and you're, he doesn't drink and drive. He drives drunk. There's a difference, Robbie. <laughs> this is terrible. Anyway, this is terrible. This is terrible. Again, every moment Homer is on screen is awful. He is so obnoxious. It's a child. It literally is a child. Homer's terrible and awful. And every moment he's on screen, I should be asking, why is Homer here and not somebody I care about? Anyone else, it would be better. Be more interesting. Anyone else. Yeah. So uh, Mo and Lisa go into the festival together. Um, They meet Tom Wolf, who just blathers on about absolutely nothing for a while in this pristine white suit that mo rubs his chocolate stained face on uh i guess is tom wolf a dandy or something robbie <laughs> that's a loaded question matt uh <laughs> okay uh tom wolf is famous for what he famously is always has worn white suits or wore white suits when he was still alive both tom wolf and gore Vidal have passed uh since this episode came out but uh he's Tom Wolf famously wore white suits uh, as he was as he was making a name for himself in writing circles and journalism in the 50s and 60s. And that's it's a thing that he was identified with a lot of the time. Um, this episode is like an artifact, uh, a weird place because it took, you know, it's from 2006. But even in 2006, both Tom Wolf and Gore Vidal were kind of. They were famous, but they weren't like really. They weren't doing their best writing anymore. They were just coasting on their names and stuff like that. Um, Shimon and and Franzen were were actively writing still and are still and are still actively working on good stuff. Um, but it, we're fifteen years removed from this from the episode coming out. So and both these guys are are have passed, and so it's like it's very strange. It's like a it's like even in 2006 they weren't if you ask if tom wolf's a dandy i no i don't i would not use the word dandy to describe tom wolf but he was very very 
prim and and I would use the word snooty. I think that's a fair word. Uh, both him and Gorbidal, to be to be frank. So if somebody had, had wiped their chocolatey mouth on one of Tom Wolf's white suits, he'd be very displeased. Oh, he'd be very upset. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not to say that Tom Wolf or Gorbidal didn't have didn't write important things, or but that's those questions are tiring. Mm-hmm. It's very tiresome. <laughs> All right, then we'll move past it. <laughs> All right. So after uh, their introduction to Tom Wolf, uh, Lisa and Mo uh, move on to talk to everybody in a big group. And Mo gets to expound upon uh, how he came up with his genius. You ever scrub your hands real fast and you think you're seeing a third one? One time I looked down and there really was. <laughs> I got to get a new lock for that bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, your debut poem is refreshing as a second pair of socks on a wet hike. I must know how you came up with that brilliant title, Howling at a Concrete Moon. Uh, well, actually, I, I had some help on the title. <gasps> You needed help to write your title? Well, so have I, Gore Vidal. 1876 was the price I paid for gas once. I thought of Burr when I saw it written on an Eskimo pie package. I can't believe it! Those sound like terrible jokes. Sir, I must ask you to pick up your gift bag and leave this festival. I don't need your sycophantic laughter. I have some on tape. <laughs> You still love me, Temple University class of 1987. So, Mo, you were telling us how you came up with your title. Yeah, well, I, I was just saying that, um, that I, uh, I thought it up all by myself. <gasps> ah, like a real writer. Outstanding, Mo. To the hayride. Yay! <laughs> We were a team. So, as you can see, uh, Mo has given in to peer pressure and the shame uh, of greatness and decided that, no, he did it all by himself. Um, at least it did not help him at all, which I think it now is when Robbie's going to go on his rant about editors and what exactly they did. Although I would point out in this case, I don't know if Lisa is an editor because she actually helped create the poetry. She put the words in the right order uh, and... Mo would have been clueless about that, but Robbie, go off. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go off, Matt. This episode doesn't really care about. Like to be fair, this is not necessarily inherently uninteresting dilemma conflict where where Lisa feels hurt because she feels like she was there for Mo when he was at his lowest, and now she's being he she's being shed because he's finding fame, he's finding a new show, social circle that appreciate like that is praising him. I'm just whacking in my microphone. Um, that's not a bad plot. Like that's 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 reasonable. Like for episode of The Simpsons, but they don't really develop it. Um, they spend five minutes at the old people Olympics, and you're just like, they're like they're needed more development. They needed more. I'm going to say this again later in, in probably three or four minutes, but they needed more support for this, and they needed more development and building of them as a team we need more time effectively more time that and that that is ultimately it like you need more time with them on screen together you need a montage to if you want to like make it easy you have a montage of mo and lisa and lisa showing him the literary world 
Like, I, I picture them going to the library, and Lisa has a book about, like, it's a book about poetry, and Mo has a book about knives, or a comic book, or something, you know, something lowbrow, and Lisa's trying to show him, this is what this world you're going into is. Uh, you need to know this. And she's, like, help not just, oh, I helped write a poem with you, which... I'm going to hate to break it to you, Matt. What she did is literally what editors do all the time. Like, you, this stanza should be below this other stanza. This is how this works better. That is what an editor does. I know, to be fair, most poetry doesn't have an editor because most poetry can't afford an editor. Editors cost money. And they're very expensive. Um, as to be, to be fair, a good editor is worth it. Um, but they need more time to have us connect them together more when lisa goes oh i spent a day with you and then you got accepted into a a, a, a a literary thing i am hurt that you're not giving me credit i'm like lisa it was a day like am i supposed to be like oh no the betrayal yeah, it was like you blood sweat and tears for years yeah exactly it, like if there was a some passage of time here some sort of like oh maybe you send his poetry into a lot of different places or he, you see Mo like, like work hard at being a better poet. I, I don't know. It really is not really about the work that Lisa did. It's more about she feeling betrayed because she thought they shared something, and Mo is leaving her behind and stealing all the credit. Like that is something, but it literally just started. We've had like six minutes of them being a team, and you're like that's not enough time. You need to give me ten, give me more time, then it would feel more impactful. But they spent, you know, you got to have those jokes about old men killing people next to Hitler and jumping off high dives with squirrel wings. And you're like, okay, all right. Yep. I don't, the, the none of this is realistic, really, Matt. I do like that bit with Gore Vidal because that is very self-deprecating. And I appreciate that. It's always good when people can poke fun at themselves. Yes. And that, I mean, that, and that, that is this, this, this kind of atmosphere, this literary world is very pretentious it is very snooty i still like a lot of literature quote-unquote literature i still like a lot of these authors who work in this world but i still acknowledge this stuff is so pretentious and it, and the fact that you like they they don't they do a good enough job at kind of poking fun of that throughout this while still maintaining that air of like, no, this is important, but it's also pretentious and we can make fun of that. Like, that is not, that is probably my favorite part of this episode. I don't know how well that translates to people who aren't literature majors, who didn't get a degree in literature from college. I don't know how many people who didn't take 4,000 level classes about whatever, if they'll care about any of this or get it. But, it, I mean, I am the target audience, so... That tells you. That's probably why I'm more positive on this episode than probably a lot of people. I don't know. Well, there you go. And thankfully, at that point, we go to a commercial, and it's now up to Robbie to talk about how this episode ends. I, I, it's fine. It's fine, man. We come back 14 minutes and 24 seconds. So Mo is on a panel with Hero. This is where we officially meet Jonathan Franzen and Michael Chabon. Um uh, where you see them squabbling a little bit, um, and we get Mo uh, becoming, I don't know, I, further establishing that he is separating himself from Lisa. Jonathan Franzen, Michael Shabon, and Mo. 
Whoa! Clear water! Swanky! Now we'll open the floor to fawning praise and obvious questions. Uh, yeah, first of all, I'd like to thank all of you for your brilliant work. Yes, yes. My question is, who are your biggest influences? I'd have to say my good friend Jonathan Franson. I thought his novel, The Corrections, needed none. Shea Bone! Well, in turn, I'd have to say my biggest influence is Albert Camus. You were supposed to say me. I blurbed you. Yeah, and it looks real sweet on my dust jacket. How do you like me now? Friendzone! Mo, who inspired you to become a writer? Jack Kerouac? Charles Bukowski? Me? Tom Wolfe? Well, I don't know. Uh, the only book I ever read was Superhounds, the ultimate greyhound betting system. So, uh, any of you uh, wet naps write that? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sislak, there must be some person, possibly in this very room, who believed in you when no one else did. Oh, uh... Yeah, I, I get what you're getting at. Um, nope. But how can you... Now, now, he's answered your question. I declare this panel dismissed. But I deserve acknowledgement. I said dismissed. I, I don't know. That's... I, I deserve acknowledgement. Lisa, really? Yeah. Uh, this is I, and I, some of this is like that very much like let's have the writers right lisa is annoying on purpose um i i, I think i i think michael shaban is one of the uh, one a great writer i'll say that uh i'm gonna i will hear i'll take this time to su recommend the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay one of my favorite novels of all time um it's very very good uh michael shaban also is a guy who openly uh kind of um moves between literary and genre fiction and often tries to meld them together which is a thing i as a person who writes genre fiction really appreciates someone who from the literary world is willing to move back and forth and sometimes smash that stuff together i think that is for the benefit of all writing if you take down these stupid walls about what is literary and what is not um so and I know these I know these names I know these people I and these jokes I think are again meant for me so I appreciate them more than most um I actually think that Mo is like the only thing I've ever read is a book about greyhound betting is actually a really good line I think that's like it's smart like it it feels like oh this is a thing that both that is true about Mo that would and it's funny in this case it's funny and would get these people to like being tranced by him because all these people would be very proper and very prim and they would be really they'd be like oh wow look at this look at this weirdo he the only book he's ever read is a book about greyhound betting and and him he's calling these established literary writers wet naps like that's fun and i think that's it's not funny but i appreciate it um and we're building more lisa mo conflict here Another, this is the second time Mo denies Lisa, says, nope, you're, I, I, you know, I, I did it all myself, which again, needs more establishment and more development, but this is itself not a bad conflict between the two. Um, uh, this is when we get the fun, really fun stuff in this episode. We go back to Homer, Matt. Yay, Homer. Yay, Homer, where he is driving through covered bridges and then smashing through people's houses. <sighs> okay what robbie mm, i can't you could take all the time 
they show with Homer doing things <laughs> and make this plot good. Like, that's all it took was time. It all, that's all it needs. Like, the foundation mm-hmm. is there. You just need a little bit more time, a little bit more establishment, a little more of a build, a little bit more uh, showing your audience the connection between these two characters, building to this this conflict between them. But they instead, we get Homer crashing through people's houses, and that's a joke. So we get a scene where um, Lisa is feeding geese bread, which don't do that. It's bad for the geese. Indeed. Pee them peas, carrots. They like vegetables. That's good for them. Um, and it's just as easy. Just get a big bag of frozen peas. Um, yeah. Mo comes to Lisa. Says, "I need another poem." Uh, and here he kind of acts like an entitled jerk. What really? Yeah. And now, and like that's the thing where it like now it it's already made Lisa look kind of like it looks like entitled, and now Mo also looks entitled, and. You kind of need, I, I feel like this is, I wrote this specifically in our notes, no connective tissue, no build. And this needed a scene. And it literally, it popped in my head literally as this scene is happening, Matt, where I need a scene that shows Mo and Tom Wolf or one of the authors, you know, you put one of the authors with him and then a, maybe like that same group of people that were glad handing him the, other, the, the night before. You need the, you need a scene with those guys, and they're all they include Mo among them, but they also are pressuring Mo for more poetry. You know, they're like, "Hey, Mo, when's your next? When do we get another poem? When's your next work? Et cetera, et cetera. I really want to hear it, and we need to build that so that Mo feels pressured to get another poem, but is unable to write it himself. You need that scene." But you're not going to get that scene. No, it that scene does not exist in this episode. So instead, it just jumps directly to Lisa being sad and Mo just accosting her at a pond going, I need a poem, Lisa. And you're like, because they don't do that establishment of that establishes why Mo needs this poem so badly and why he feels like he needs this poem so badly, but also he's unable to do it. Why he would try and ask Lisa just blank for it. Also, you feel like he would try and smooth her a little bit. And we'd have a build to that where he'd be like, Mo would be like, I'm sorry, Lisa. I, you know, I feel a lot of pressure. I just need to get a poem. And Lisa's like, oh, okay. I'm, you know, I understand. And then I was like, so can you write me one? And like, you need that. You need like not him just being a jerk. And I think that's the thing. Like, they're just like shortcut yeah, it as fast as possible. Yeah, because so they put more of Homer being weird or something. It, it's weird because like we said, this doesn't get the extended intro. This, this episode is given a lot of time but it's used in the wrong way and i don't understand why that i mean i'm sure there's a good reason why but we're not a good reason but there's a reason why yeah the reason is they just hurt yeah the reason is they didn't i didn't spend enough time with it honestly i don't know what else like or or it like there's a it's a weird confluence of things which we talk about a lot where it's just like is it because they didn't think it was funny enough they think like the writer stuff is not punchy enough so they're like oh we need some wacky homer in here to to keep people watching or is it like maybe that is what the writers think is funny maybe they they get bored by this other stuff which i highly doubt almost all the simpsons writers are like ivy league guys they would eat up this literary conference stuff with a spoon they throw homer in there because they think the commoner the peasant the pleb isn't going to enjoy i don't know um but the a plot would be better if you just cut the the, the crap Homer scenes, and I don't know. <sighs> so Lisa denies Mo, which not surprisingly. Mo's upset. He ends up in the water attacking the geese with a gun. 
He's shooting at geese. Which is what you do when you're sad, I guess? I mean, he's in a fight with geese. He says, I might as well win. That's not a bad line by Mo. I'll, I'll, I will admit. Yeah. There's, a, there's, like, there's bits and pieces here where, like, oh, if this was assembled better, this could be good. Um, but because there's, it's devoid of all that, it kind of just feels a little, it just feels fine. It feels empty. Um, so we get Homer coming back to find Lisa sad. Uh, they had matched, Homer bought the Vermont teddy fact, teddy bear factory. He got Mo and Lisa teddy bears, which that is, I'll say one thing about that. Not this, and here at the end, they finally redeem Homer a little bit because he's like actually caring about his daughter. I'll give him that. He, he gets her, he gets her teddy bears. He doesn't know about this this schism with uh, with Mo. He gets her teddy bears when she finds out she's sad because of him. He and Bart plot revenge on Mo. Okay, that's something. It's like, oh, at least they're showing care for Lisa. It's better than a lot of episodes have done. So, um, what are you saying, Matt? I said it's better than a lot of episodes. Yes, so. I, and I think that's where I'm at. Where I'm like, like it's in that middle ground where it's better than true direct but it's also like so underdeveloped it never really surpasses just being kind of mediocre um so lisa tells the family about what mo did bart and homer plot revenge and we cut to what is effectively the final scene of the episode where mo is revealed for fraud and apologizes to lisa now i give you mo sisak Uh, this here poem is called Elevator Capacity. <clears throat> Elevator Capacity, 2,400 pounds. Inspection certificate available in hotel manager's office. <laughs> you just pulled that off the wall of the elevator. Yeah, well, uh, uh, here's another one you might like. <clears throat> Channel 61, Family Favorites. Channel 62, Adult Desires. Channel 63, In-Room Checkout. Channel... Hey, you know what? I got a different poem for you. Ode to Lisa, pointy-headed mini-muse. More friend than I deserved. You pulled me from the dirt and made me the beautiful flower that I am. But some flowers can stab you in the back, for which I should send you flowers. Which I will, but they were closed. You'll be getting them tomorrow. Oh, Mo. Lisa, if you could just forgive me, you would make me the happiest man in Vermont. Uh, except for those two dudes I saw getting hitched. Not my thing, but I wish him well. Make my daughter cry, will you? Eat syrup, jerk! What? Dad, no! I'm not mad at Mo anymore. Uh, Homer, would it make you feel better if uh, any of that hit me? No, not now. I'm going to walk away then, okay? So... At least this gets resolved. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. That again. That there is. It doesn't get built all the way. It could be so much more, but it does have this moment here at the end where it gets resolved, where they actually subvert the expectations of revenge from Homer and Bart, where Mo avoids getting hit by a giant thing of maple syrup because it flows so slowly. Um, and I. I, I I think I'm struggling here a little bit too because my, I they Mo did write that poem like he's not he he certainly Lisa helped assemble it but he still was able to write that the poetry like write those pieces write those lines mm -hmm. so it's not that he's devoid of ability like you feel like he should be able to do something and to be fair that 
thing where he just stole a sign and was reading it off the side of an elevator. That that could be that is a that could be a poem. Like that's not that is something could that be, the, yeah. and, and and like it's as good that 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 bit of him like reading off the side of an elevator sign. I, by my metrics, by my feeling, like that crowd wouldn't necessarily poo-poo it. They wouldn't go, oh, you stole it from an elevator. They'd be like, oh, wow, he took it from, he took something from an elevator and used it as a poem. Like, that is, that's, it's something. You know what? They wouldn't immediately dismiss it. Certainly some people would, but I feel like there would be a crowd there for it. I understand the point of it. They're trying to make Mo look like a total fraud, but Mo and Lisa are friends again. Are we just, are so, are we just saying that they're now going to, Mo's going to be a poet from now on? Because Lisa could help him. Or maybe that's just the extent of most creativity. It's like there's there's no helping that. It's like he got lucky once. I I well that's what I want, man. I want a, a throwaway line here at the end where Lisa's like, "Let's write more poetry." And Mo's like, "Well, it took me 15 years to write that last poem. All those little snips were snips of lines where I wrote them over 15 years or something." And Lisa goes, "Oh, okay, never mind." Like I something like that, you know? Like this isn't practical. Um, but then with the actual ending of the episode is is Jonathan Franzen and Michael Shabon uh, getting into a fist fight against each other, and then Lisa and Mo kind of walking away as they fight each other. Um, which I'm gonna I, I I teased at the beginning, Matt. I I again I've made clear that I like these two authors quite a bit, especially Michael Shabon, and I think it's fun that they get into a, they again. All these people are very snooty and very pretentious, at least, you know, people who go to these kinds of conferences and they're very much like, oh, the writing is so important. And I, 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 I spend hours and these guys are, again, are just, you know, poking fun of themselves and are willing to play along with the gag, which goes a long way for me. Um, the episode ends. It's fine. It's fine. It. It's, it's better than a lot of what we've seen lately. It, I really appreciate them trying to come up with a arc for Mo and Lisa that feels genuine, that feels like an actual conflict took place and then a resolution in the end. Honestly, that right there puts it above almost anything in the past few seasons. Yeah. And I mean, I'm be, I, to be fair, when I say, when I say it's better than most of season 18, 17, whatever, like most of these episodes are so terrible. Like they don't even have semblance of a story. Um, this ha- does it just doesn't build it it doesn't develop it uh i again it, it muses it misuses its time I, I and i'm also a sucker for this stuff this is kind of for me a lot of this writing workshop stuff is jokes i get and a lot of people i don't think just they you know they don't recognize these references or they're they're like i don't care they don't care about these people they don't know who they are they haven't read their books they won't ever read their books and they don't so it doesn't mean much to them. They're just like, oh, they're people, they're figures. But what is this? Um, it feels emptier. That makes it feel the episode feel emptier than it would. Um, I don't know. We'll rank it at the end of the show. Oh, Robbie, is this episode broken? I don't think so. I'm gonna call it broken. I don't think so either. I mean, do you want to play the? Uh... Yeah. No, no, no. We're you. We're. I don't think it's broken. I'm not. We're not gonna. Okay. I don't, I don't think we need to play music. It's not broken. It just it could be done a lot better. I think is what we're coming down as like this. This episode has the the bones of a good episode saying, that, oh, uh, it turns out Mo's a poet. Lisa helps him get published and then they drift apart. I mean, the Simpsons have done episodes like this before where, oh, somebody gets famous for something, but then it leads to conflict with somebody who helped them get that way. I mean, it's, it's a very common trope in fiction. Uh, it's just there's a lot of meandering and that doesn't leave enough 
time for the main plot to actually gel. Yeah. And, and the, but broken doesn't flawed does not mean broken. I think that's what this episode is. It is flawed, but not it's not dreck. It is not garbage. Uh, it can be improved, but you can you. The, I don't need duct tape with it. I don't need like to like a machine and some nuts and bolts to piece this thing back together. Um, yeah, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments from the news group is where I ask our patrons what they thought about the episode. They leave their, their short reviews uh, over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. People back at any level uh, can leave their reviews for these episodes, and provided you do have to watch them, which is a, a negative most of the time. Uh, first from Derek. Uh, let's do Flame and Moe's again, except make it really boring and devoid of laughs. They've really botched Moe's character. The sad and pathetic Moe is so much less interesting than the shady panda smuggling bartender he used to be. It's very hard to care about anything that's happening in this episode between the uninspired plot line and the terrible dialogue. Oh god, that dialogue. Whoa, where did that come from? Oh right, my actions. Painful. Every single line of dialogue in seasons 20 onwards is like this, but you can really see it starting to creep in here. Stilted, boring, vapid rubbish. Uh... Benjamin, as Robbie well knows, a writer is nothing if they don't think of their own titles. <laughs> I get they're going for satire, but it just came out bland. Nothing funny or fun in this one. It is perfectly skippable. They tried the classic trick of having Homer be the comedy, and that only came out slightly offensive as seen the drunk stopping bit. I will say it is fascinating watching the show turn from awful and offensive to bland and boring before our eyes. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of why what kind of we're doing with the podcast. So we're watching the episode change. We're watching the show change from great to terrible to weird to boring uh from tim hey did you know that jonathan franzen was in this episode and that gore vidal also in this episode and we can't forget tom wolf right i think we're in the middle of the phase where the simpsons were was making the transfer from long inside and it's just being plain star bleepers i'll censor myself except this episode managed to do both every now and then the show tries to give mo some dignity on occasion it works this was just a mess since when did he live in a hotel i thought he lived in a shotgun shack not that the writers bother to explain. I will again predict a ranking of 330. Uh, from Lauren, I could copy and paste my review from a few weeks ago with some name changes. It would still apply. Same issues over and over again, including the lack of realism, boring character assassination, and plot, quote-unquote, issues, to name a few. I always struggle writing my reviews because I really want to rant. This is this is because most of these episodes can in alcohol, drug abuse, homosexual, and or suicide joke. Realize I'm ra- I'm ranting at the wrong pe- I'm ranting at the wrong people. The writers should have to wear a shock device, and we get to shock them since this trash is their collective fault. This episode would have a shock value of six six out of ten. They should be happy with that since it includes a Hitler quote unquote joke. That's, that's I do like that idea. We shock the writers. How many times do we six out of ten? I think that's fair. I think that's a fair number for this. Um, maybe five. I might go five instead of a six for all the Homer stuff. Uh, next up, JJ. I might have the minority opinion, but I think this episode is okay. Uh, the pairing of Lisa and Mo were surprising well due to, the ha- due to them having a shared understanding of loneliness and social isolation. I wish we'd gotten more of them together. In terms of jokes, there are more hits than misses, but Mo easily has the best lines. And no suicide jokes. This episode even managed to do something very few teen episodes do. Actually make me empathize with the characters. I'm so relieved it didn't end with a wa- wacky action set piece. It's one plot. All about character and remains grounded in reality. 
Sadly, Homer continues to be a detriment to the show and does his best to try and damage this otherwise decent episode, like the long sequence where he falls down the fire escape while making fun of Mo and various other hilarious antics I'd rather forget about. My only other criticism is the title, Mo and Elisa. It's even worse pun than girls just want to have sums. Why not just Mo the Poet? I miss the simple titles. Despite these negatives, for me, this was the best episode, best episode of the season so far. Yeah, Mo the Poet, perfect. That is, that's all we needed. What, what, what? Mo and Elisa? I'm gonna say this again. Mo and why? Ugh, gotta be cute. I'm gonna throw my. I'm gonna hit it with an elbow, man. I just want to like drop an elbow on it on the top rope. Um, from old painty can Joey Jojo Junior Strabadu Shrub. I don't have to. I don't have much to add about this one except the line. Where, whoa, where did that come from? Oh, right, my actions. It's one of the few post golden years quotes that gets regular use in this Shabadoosh and Rub household. Uh, and finally, from Joshua, I'm also one of those people that actually kind of like this episode. The J. Jonah Jameson scene is stupid, and Homer is annoying as all hell in this. You feel the Mo and Lisa storyline mostly works. It's told in a very basic manner, and the plot points are obvious. But I would be lying if I said I didn't find it emotional, despite being peppered with some of the lamest, unfunniest jokes throughout the episode. Overall, six out of ten. I think everyone's thoughts are perfectly cromulent. At least in Springfield. I mean, cromulent has is is in our lexicon now, Matt. There's there. I read a I read a piece uh, on uh, on the Athletic sports writing website about the. Uh, I was reading a hockey piece about uh, predicting. Uh, it wasn't predicting. It was looking at free agent acquisitions over the off season and how teams would be affected. Predicting that, I guess. And the writer used the word cromulent in there. A piece about hockey. No Simpsons. Anything else in that in that piece is about Simpsons. He used the word cromulent. <laughs> it's 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 spreading. All right. It's taken twenty years, but it's or thirty years. Or even it's happening. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is your favorite military movie? Tons of great answers. Appreciate everyone who took the time. Matt, take it away. Alrighty, from Timothy, all quiet on the Western Front. No Simpsons connection I can think of, just the best movie. <laughs> uh, Brandon, does Monty, Monty Python and the Holy Grail count? Well, there are people fighting in it, so sure, why not? I mean, it's about the Crusades, uh, sort of. That's a, Yeah, sort of. That's military. Yeah. I'm, I'll, t- I'll mm-hmm. take it. Uh, from... Tim, uh, I like that airplanes satirize the armed forces without being insulting. After all, one does have to be just a bit off-center to expose themselves to the dangers of war. Plus, we found out about June Cleaver's proficiency in jive. Uh, although most people who have to expose themselves to war don't do it uh, voluntarily. What are you talking about, man? Uh, from... Mm, what do you mean? I'm from Lauren. This this was tough for me, but I think courage under fire wins. The way the story comes together until you discover the truth is masterfully done. I have never seen that. Apparently, I really need to. It's... It's... I haven't watched it in a long time. It, it is girl okay. It's it's good though. I I I don't. I'm 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 not sure how to describe it, but I think good is enough that it is worth watching. I, I agree with that. All right. Uh, let's see. Andy, Men of Honor, true. Uh, from Derek, not to completely depress everyone, but the wind that shakes the barley is a 2006 film set during the Irish War of Independence. The scene in which a young man is executed by the British Army because he spoke Irish and refuses to say the anglicized version of his name is really powerful. It's sad that the film still resonates so strongly today, especially here in the North, where there's a public holiday that consists of burning Irish flags and we are still denied legislation for our language. Yeesh. 
But for a less maudlin answer, I'll go with the more traditional action-packed military film, Saving Private Ryan, epic stuff. How wow. dare you, Derek, answer the question with a film that affects you? You're a yeah, monster. I mean, honestly, how can you not have a, a your favorite BF film that glorifies the military? That's just anti-American, you Irish bastard. <laughs> God almighty, man. Going hard. <laughs> Uh, from Joshua, it has to be Apocalypse Now. It beautifully uses the backdrop of the Vietnam War to adapt Heart of Darkness and create a long, dark, inevitable journey looking at the worst parts of man's soul. Amazing movie. Uh, from El Columbia 88, Stripes. Uh, the Andrew blog. Uh, I'm going to re-up my answer to the favorite movie on the water question, Apocalypse Now. It is, isn't exactly fun, but who boy is it great. Uh, from Ad Dead Man 74 I mean, Captain America is technically a military movie, so that... I assume there's more to that, but oh, you know, th- that counts. Yes, I must have. So that counts. Like, okay, I'm uh, no, I, from, I, no, he's like, I mean, Captain America is technically a military movie, so that, so that is my answer. Oh, so that, that is okay, what I'm I got. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Which All yes, right, Captain so America. My, I the, the first Captain America movie is a totally a war movie. Absolutely, it really is. All right, uh, from Matt Mike Zakowski, uh, Cadet Kelly. <laughs> Fantastic choice there. Uh, from Upcar, Renaissance Man. Private Montgomery getting head up thinking Danny DeVito is calling him an oxymoron whilst teaching him basic English gets me every time. Don't know that I've seen that. You haven't seen Renaissance Man? Uh, I don't think so. Danny Who's DeVito. in that besides Danny DeVito? I mean, Danny DeVito. Just Danny DeVito? I mean, there's a, there's, I'm sure there's character actors that I'm forgetting, but Danny DeVito mostly. Okay. Do you need an excuse? It's uh, Danny DeVito. He's a national treasure. I do not need an excuse. I was just unaware of it. I just, of it. I just watched a long interview with Danny DeVito. It was, it was wonderful. He's a wonderful man. Love Danny DeVito. Such a nice person. Well, Danny DeVito is amazing and a national treasure, and we should do everything we can, including harvesting organs from people we don't like to keep him alive. I mean, I would do I would harvest organs from people I do like to keep Danny DeVito alive. Sorry, guys. All right. Uh, from at K. Nickdomi, uh, Full Metal Jacket. From at Brian J. Field, A Few Good Men. From Matt, yes, it's Aaron. No way out with Kevin Costner and Gene Hackman. A terrific Hitchcockian thriller. Ooh, Robbie, what is your answer? Um, there's lots of great war movies, military movies. I'm gonna pick Inglorious Bastards, um, mm. because at the end of it, Hitler gets shot with a machine gun many times, and it's great. <laughs> I mean, that is by definition the greatest war movie to ever exist. Uh, but you know, if you're gonna pick it, I gotta add something, and I, I honestly, uh war movies are tough because obviously you want something that is not rah rah go the military all the time if that's the case you just get transformers and i feel like saving private ryan is a decent balance of that um there's also a movie that came out recently uh whose name i cannot remember for the life of me i had it uh greyhound is really phenomenal uh it just it's very tense it's basically a almost not real time but almost real time uh, like sequential storytelling of what happens in one North Atlantic crossing. And it's very tense and very accurate. And it just goes to show you how awful things are for absolutely everybody in war. And maybe we shouldn't do war anymore. Next week's question. What, what is the, oh, well, before I get there in the infamous words of Bart Simpson, uh, there's only three good war, three good wars, the revolutionary war, World war two and the star Wars trilogy. Of course, of course. Although I, I saw the Star uh, the version of a New Hope uh, phrased as very disturbing. It's like, oh, young boy gets uh, uh, inducted into a old cult that's not around much anymore and convinced to uh, blow up a giant space station of a ruling body. 
because if you're just going by a new hope you don't really know how bad the empire is it it just seems like you know a big bureaucracy uh it's not until like empire and really today you realize how nah, bad the nah that's is. not fair they blow up a planet in a new hope okay they they commit genocide okay they kill whole people they had it coming to them Robbie. Oh, okay all right anything about alderaan all right all vader is princess leia's you know <laughs> biased opinion <clears throat> anyway i'm uh, do you want to have this discussion star wars is a fantasy film it is not meant you're not you're not supposed to draw you know all these comparisons to giant war machines it's supposed to be very simple fantasy space a fantasy movie you're not supposed to think about him being drawn into a war midi chlorians didn't exist when a, a new hope was made there was no space cult that was dead it was a it was all loose and and heroic they're not you're not it's not built to for that level of examination. It's, be, it's not, there's a, you shouldn't scrutinize the original Star Wars. I mean, not too much, honestly. Like, hey, this guy has a, like a big old laser sword. Let's that's cool. Like, you does right. do you need to make it more complicated than that? I and I'm Mister Analysis, and I say don't don't. It, George Lucas wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie, and he made Star Wars instead. That's that's all you need to know. Um, next week's question that is the ending of our Star Wars tangent. Uh, next week's question was the best movie adaptation of a book episode with full of writers what movie based on a book is the best i'll have to think about it i think i have my answer but i'm not positive about it it might have changed over time um but that, i will post this question on all our social media twitter at simpsons show pod you can email us at simpsons show pod at gmail.com and uh, i will post this question on patreon which again is patreon.com slash the simpsons show we can move on un- until onto our next into onto into our next segment. It's time for the no Google trivia challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S M R T. I mean S M A R R T. The no Google trivia challenge is Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions, one easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stuff with the other. We are tied five to five. Which is, I tied is the way I like it. We're getting, we're just winnowing down until our questions are so laser focused. No one will ever get anything right. Matt, are you, <laughs> exactly. Matt, are you ready for an easy question? I'm ready for an easy question. In the front, Grandpa is hired as a writer for what show? Uh, that would be Itchy and Scratchy. That is correct. Do I get an easy question? You do. I'm just recording your score, uh, or my score technically. Uh, in your easy question, which Simpson child does Mo become obsessed with in Mo Baby Blues? That'd be Maggie Simpson. You'd be correct. Movie Blues. Not not a bad episode. It's all right. Not a bad episode. Not as bad uh, as a lot of things. No. Your medium question, Matt. What is the name of the episode of Itchy and Scratchy, Bart and Lisa Wright? I believe it's Little Barbershop of Horrors. Dang it. <laughs> <sighs> I knew this too easy. I was like, maybe. He, no, uh, <laughs> all right. Your medium question. What is the star attraction at the Springfield Botanical Gardens in Mo Baby Blues? corpse blossom uh, mm, that's not its name but that's basically what it is so i'll give you one point what is it it is the sumatran century flower but it smells like a corpse blossom don't they say the words corpse blossom i don't think so check frankie Eck. <laughs> <laughs> sorry someone calls it a corpse blossom um maybe there's a real life thing called a corpse blossom there is a real life thing called a corpse blossom but uh I mean, I'll take a point, Matt. I'm, I, I ain't, I ain't gonna look no gift horse in the mouth. Your hard question: What is the name of the book Lisa reads to get tips on writing? Oh God, I can see her reading it. Um, 
I have no idea, but I remember it's a really funny title. It is. It is How to Get Rich Writing Cartoons by John Swartzwelder. Ah, of course. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. Your hard question. What TV show do Lenny and Carl watch while in traffic? <laughs> they watch a show while they're in traffic. Um. Oh, is this a real life show or is this made up? Or you're not going to tell it's me? It's made up. It's made up. Uh, and then I have no chance. Um, I don't know. I don't even have a guess. I don't know. All right. It is the Beverly Hillbillies Down Under. God almighty. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Okay. Down, Beverly Hillbillies Down Under. It feels like something that was, that's on UHF. It does feel like it, right? Uh, I mean, it does involve uh, Granny busting a didgeridoo over what's-his-name's head. Oh, right. That's, that's Yeah. I remember now. Matt has taken a lead from me, eight to seven. It's very upsetting. Just the start. Don't. I don't want to lose again, Matt. I don't want to lose. I'm tired of losing. I had a, I had, a, I tasted victory, and I need it now. I like, I, I'm craving mm-hmm. it. Uh, that'll do it for trivia. We can move on until our next segment. It's time. For, uh, move on to our final segment. Segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Um, I think this episode is fine, which puts it in... Well, I'm looking at... Let's see. Is it... Hmm. Hmm. Okay, Matt. I have a question for you. Okay. We just watched it, so it should be fresh in your mind. Is this better or worse than Homer's Odyssey Very, uh, from season one? Uh, uh, I, 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 I'm going to say it's better than Homer's Odyssey. I think it is better just because the family is more themselves. Season one episodes are very sketchy about that. Uh, and we do get Mo being interesting Mo and Lisa being concerned Lisa. Really, the only thing that keeps this from being a downright good episode, I think, is... Uh, them spending so much time on the goofy Homer antics because I feel like if we had more time for Mo to descend into self-centeredness, this could have been a downright good episode. Yeah, I, I just I just picked that one because we had watched it so recently for our bonus episode. So you guys can go listen to our commentary if you haven't listened to it already for Homer's Odyssey. Because um, I would I'm I, I'm looking through the list again as you were talking, and I think there th- I think that there is a I'm I'm looking at like the territory for this, and I think this is better than Take My Wife's Sleeves, which is number two fifty five. I would agree. I mean, honestly, I'm looking at a lot of the season one episodes are up around the two fifty area, and I feel like it could pretty easily fit with those or even a little better. I mean, two forty one is Dance and Homer, and I think this kind of fits in that area. Hmm. I mean, two forty four is Sunday Cruddy Sunday, and as much as this episode has its detractions. Honestly, Sunday, cruddy Sunday. <laughs> you just don't like that, that episode. episode. Was just, I just hate don't, that episode. I know. So you, you got a special, you, you have a special hate for some, I don't hate it. I think the episode is fine, much like this one. Um, it has some, it, I think there are just, I think this episode for me has some bright spots. The foundation is, is fine. And then they falter on a lot of the finer points, much like Sunday, cruddy Sunday. Um, I would put this below that though. I, I think Sunday Credit Sunday is more entertaining. Um it's more it's more interesting. This episode I think does get boring at times. Um 
Maybe just because so much That's Homer, fair. but basically whenever Homer's on screen, yeah. I keep asking when will Homer get off screen? Yeah. Um. I I'm looking at. Let's see. We have it. I I know that I would say Last of the Red Hot Mamas is better than this. Um, and that might be the line yeah. because I think this is better than the Mook, the Chef, the Wife, and her Homer. Which one is that one? The Mook, the Chef. Is that the one about <laughs> Fat Tony's kid? We just did. Yeah. Exactly. Which in a lot of ways is similar in that it has like really interesting ideas, but it kind of falters along the way in implementing them. And I think this is very similar. I think it just this is slightly better. I think it just does a little better job at nailing down those ideas. I think Last of the Red Hot Mamas is a little bit better. Maybe just because I'm a soft spot for Mar- Marge episodes where she gets friends. But I would say that's where I would put this, Matt. I would slot it right between those two episodes. I can definitely see that. Not gonna. You don't want to argue for ten minutes. Nope, I'm good. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste my time arguing on on this episode. Oh, not Mo in Elisa. You don't like? Okay, it's such a bad. I cannot. I'm gonna say it a third time. Terrible title. What a bad title. Someone needs to talk to these the Simpsons creators. Like guys, what are you doing? They really like. Someone needs to step in and be like. What like this is the titles we get? Like I mean, it's too late. I don't have a time machine, unfortunately. Don't have a time machine yet. I guess is the. Although to be fair, I don't think anyone ever invents a time machine. Before. We would know by now. Yeah, we would think. know because if you had a time machine that could travel back in the past, there would be evidence that someone traveled back in the past with a time machine, probably. Unless you also have like some sort of temporal, like uh, wake, just like silencer or something that would erase all evidence that you were ever present in the past i guess i'm sure some science fiction novel i haven't read talks about it um we're not done though matt we have one more question to answer before we move on and that question is do we shoot this episode out of the cannon i'm gonna i'm gonna say it stays yeah, there's no reason to kick it out of the canon. I mean, it's not a great episode, but it's it doesn't have the characters acting weird and not like themselves. Uh, it doesn't have something that we, we want to never remember again. I mean, I, I remember this episode as, uh, not fondly, but as something interesting that happened to both Mo and Lisa. Yeah, and I, I think there is enough to make it worthwhile. I think that's it doesn't have to be a perfect episode to, you know, m- make it, valuable or have it to have a value i guess is even um i think it can be a part of the things can be part of the canon without i think it's interesting we're talking about canon when we have a episode that features a lot of writers that are all you know a part of the canon um i'm already i'm boring myself with this discussion uh yeah. so no it it is a part of the canon for sure uh we will move we as we work our way down through the 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 through this list uh we are at number 65 and that is the way we was a foundational episode of the simpsons yeah if that episode's not in the canon a lot of other stuff doesn't make sense so definitely being keep it's important it's funny it's great it's charming it's sweet uh it's it of course it is a part of the canon so that is number 252 now on the list is mo and elisa uh Right below the last of the hot mamas, right above the mook, the chef, the wife, and her Homer. First place is still Homer's enemy. Last place is still Codependence Day. Holding strong because that episode is, oof, boy. I mean, there's drunk driving in this episode. It's not even close to approaching 
Yeah, Mo and Elisa. Uh, our next episode, Matt, is Ice Cream of Margie with Light Blue Hair. I don't even know that. Homer no. gets fired from the power plant again and takes over an ice cream truck. While a depressed Marge creates popsicle stick sculptures to keep busy. I do remember this. I remember being very, very bad. I guess we'll figure it out. It's a it's a Marge and Homer episode. So that's cool. Can't wait for another one of those. <laughs> that's next week. Thanks, uh, you guys, for listening. We appreciate you. You can, uh, before we go, you can find me online on Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. That is my name. I'm also... Uh, on my online on my website which is robbydorman.com also my name has links to everything i do on the internet including my other podcasts and links to purchase my horror novels i have eight of them i sure talked a lot about writing in this episode you can go see if my writing is good by giving me money i really appreciate it uh death rattle is my newest novel it's about uh vampires invading and buying up a small dying texas town in a old cuss fighting him off defending his town it's great i love it i love ebner it's main character you'll love him too you go read that book it's available on amazon in every format you can imagine matt does not participate in social media you will not find him uh that is true i spent all of my time trying to stop the bleeding from kittens uh who you can see at kitten turns uh k-i-t-t-i-n-t-e-r-n-s on instagram if you want to see the absolutely adorableness and you don't get to see the horrible, bloody uh, background. Like, why Why are they so angry? They're not angry. That's just how they play. I mean, trim their claws, Matt. Uh, that's what I would suggest. I, I do, but they, well, they grow very quickly. And two, no matter how much you trim kitten claws, they're always sharp. They're so <laughs> tiny. <laughs> we also have some. We have two. We, we are also fostering kittens. We don't have an Instagram for them, though. Oh, what a waste. Their names are Edgar and Raven. Oh, very so cute. cute. They're very cute. They have ringworm, though. Not so cute. Oh, oh that's uh, tough. I know it is. Um, that's it for us today. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching this episode. Shh.